We are excited today to have a very, very smart person with us. His, his, uh, his intelligence is required to do the things that he's asked of him. And I'm going to ask Dr. Jason Struble to come, the Senior Director of the Center of Agriculture and Food Security for Convoy of Hope. Give a big, big hand as we welcome to the desk this morning. <laughs> Dr. Jason, as you come, I, I told the first service that his nickname is Dr. Dirt. And so the first time they told me Dr. Dirt is going to be speaking at one of our, our conferences, I thought I was expecting a pro wrestler, you know, with a name like Dr. Dirt. But you'll quickly learn what that means and how you get that nickname. And we are so honored to have you. Thank you for taking time to be with us and telling us how our partnership with Convoy is making a difference around the world. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Gene and Destiny Church and Melody for your, just your hospitality to allow, us, allow me to come and, and represent convoy and to be able to just say thank you to you and to maybe just give you a little bit more detail about kind of behind the curtain of convoy but it has been great my son and I got to come last night got to go and walk through Northport North Park Mall dude you guys have the largest vintage stock that I have ever seen like I walked in and I'm like oh I mean, there were CDs there that, like, when CDs just came out. And I was just, I, I resisted the urge to buy up maybe Garth Brooks um, for a CD, but I did not. And, uh, but I just want to thank you and to just share how we at Convoy take and do things with your one day gift but also help you understand that we don't do it without you and we do it 100% together. And I joke all the time that um, when I do get to speak, you know, I don't go out every Sunday. I'm not one of those guys. I'm the guy that is usually on a plane and spending, you know, 100 to 100, 80 to 100,000 miles on a plane or sitting back at the office and working with our team around the world. So when they do ask me to speak, you never really know because I am different. And you just never know what I may say, even the difference between first service and second service. But I want to thank you and want to thank you for giving to one day. And I'll kind of share what that represents, what your gift last year did, and, uh, and how we're going to continue to do things together. But I also know that you need to have just a tad, just a little bit of a background about the craziness that is Dr. Dirt. So first, yes, they call me Dr. Dirt. The reason they call me Dr. Dirt is because I have a PhD in soil science. Prior to that at Washington State University, and thank you, by the way, I have never been able to rep Washington State gear on a Sunday morning. And when it was Jersey Sunday, I'm like, you've got to be, I can wear it. Um, but before that, during my PhD, I, uh, I spread 30,000 gallons of liquid cow manure with a dairy hose, with a garden hose. And I'm the only guy probably ever in the world to ship 5,000 gallons of liquid manure from one side of a state to another so that I could have the same exact cow manure to make it scientific. And my master's dealt with how to revitalize desert soil using chicken manure. And then you, my first experience with chicken manure and cow manure was when I was five years old and I was jumping off the back of a trailer onto what I thought was a snow pile. Thus it began. My love for science and for agriculture and Jesus. So I also, prior to coming to Convoy 11 and a half years ago, where I was asked to design and architect the agricultural program 
I was a research scientist for Washington State, but my wife and I pastored in the Pacific Northwest for 17 years. We've been married for 25. We have three biological children and three, for the lack of a better term, foster kids. But right now we have a glorified permission slip because we've had them before. We're getting them back. And so I have a 21-year-old who does things for the government that I'm not allowed to tell you, but he protects you. And then I've got a 17-year-old who got to be with me today. He's headed to Evangel next semester. I got a 15-year-old girl who loves horses. And then a six, four, and three-and-a-half-year-old that are in the mix of the crazy that are, yeah, they're in the mess of humanity when they're not with us. And you never know if they're going to drop a inappropriate piece of language at any moment in time. And that is the truth. When you have to pinch a child for dropping the F-bomb on a Sunday morning and you don't know which one of them was that dropped it, you're just like, what am I gonna do? But that's, that's me. And like I said, I'm different. But hopefully... My difference, my nerdiness will, at the end of today, in these short minutes that we have together, just give you a little bit of something behind the curtain. So to continue to just say thank you and also just continue to give you confidence that God uses us together to do some amazing things around the world. And that from the convoy side, we've thought these things through and that there are hundreds of people who stand behind me and work with us to do amazing things together. And that's what, that's what partnership uh, does. So when you look at this, uh, I call it the, the, you know, you can tell which slides I made and the slides that communications makes. But when you look at our impact, this impact to date, when you look at those numbers, that was 2020. Because we haven't released the 2021 numbers yet. And the reason we haven't is because we stand behind the numbers that we publish And when we get them in the middle of January from all of our reporting countries from around the world, we're doing everything in our can to double check and triple check and quadruple check to make sure that what we said we did is what exactly we said that we did. Part of my job is quality control for international program so that when you see the numbers that are published, I joke and say, I'm not going to hell. If I stand up and tell you that we fed this many kids, I know where they are, where they came from, And I can report that to my superiors. So when we stand before heaven and say that together we did this, we mean it. I can tell you, however, because I am the guy who knows what the numbers are at the moment, that I'm not going to share where we're at. But our goals for the year were to be able to be feeding over 440,000 kids worldwide in about 28 different countries. We wanted to be empowering 22,000 girls. We wanted to be able to be training another 22,000, actually 19,000 farmers. And we wanted to be able to empower 12,000 women through economic empowerment and and mother's clubs and, and training. That's what our goals were for the year. When the numbers do come out, we can all shout to know that we with God's help and an amazing team around the world, we're able to meet every one of our goals. And we did it in yet another crazy COVID year. And how do we do that? We do that because we partner with the local church. And when you partner with the local church, 
in the middle of a global pandemic and schools shut down and you feed in schools and you train in schools, well, then guess where the meals get distributed? Guess who distributes those meals when your staff can't go from house to house? It's the local church just like you. It's volunteers just like you going out and doing the job that Jesus has called us to do. And I am honored to say that we did that with your help last year and we will continue to do it this year. I like to talk about, and I, go, I can go deep and nerd, but I'm not funny and I'm not necessarily, I, yeah. You just never know what you're gonna get. But I think it's important for you to know that when we go through and we look at those numbers and we look at those families and those kids and, and the, the men, the women that are impacted, and we start to talk about partnership and giving together and working through Convoy and letting God do what he wants to do, it's important that you understand that there is a meticulous set of checks and balances. Checks and balances that are nerdy on science and health and nutrition, but also from the guy, I'm a program guy. When I get on a plane and I'm flying around the world, or if I'm sitting at a restaurant, we do not take it for granted that it is God's money that people have given. And that we, we look at every cent and we look at every dime to make sure that we are being above board, that we are honoring the fact that it is God's money and that we have partnered with people all around the world, including people at Destiny Church that have entrusted us. And I want you to know as a program person who travels around the world, I never ever take that to gr for granted because I have to look God in the eye and say, I honored the gifts that people gave. And I never wanna take advantage of that. And that is the heart of our founder all the way down to our agricultural specialist in El Salvador. To the point where last night, as I was filling out my AMX for dinner, Joe Ash, my son, thought I was writing a note to the waiter. And he goes, what are you doing? He goes, writing a note to the waiter? That's kind of weird, dad. I'm like, no, I'm writing a note to justify the fact that I had dinner and I was doing this and this and this. So when finance looks at it, we don't get flagged by ARS and they have justified every piece. And I can guarantee you that if I can't justify it correctly, I write a, re a reimbursement check to Convoy. But we take it very seriously. And that's why I have no issue coming up as a non-fundraiser and say, thank you for partnering with us through us, working together, and that we do honor the fact that it is God's money, but you worked really hard for it. And I just want you to know that from a guy who travels and represents and does those things around the field, around the world. And so thank you. And so when we start talking about what does that look like, what is some of that extra little detail of going kind of behind the scenes? Well, first you need to know, and I think you know this, but you also need to hear it again. Everything that we do at Convoy is through the lens of Christ, Jesus, and the local church. We truly believe that if we wanna break the, the, the systemic cycle of poverty and spiritual, and spiritual darkness, it has to have Jesus involved. It has to have kindness and hope 
and those things that Jesus brings, that a life of Christ brings. We have really, really good science, but you just need to know that there's always Jesus represented, there's always Jesus in the mix, and we have never, ever not worked through the local church. With this caveat, and that's why I say this, because sometimes even when you look at our website and you go up to Convoy of Hope, it doesn't say Jesus is Lord at the front of our website. Because at the heart of our founder and at the heart of Convoy, we wanna do everything in our power to be Jesus to the world. Even if we don't have to say the word, we wanna represent him. But you'll hear Hal say this, he'll say, I don't want to stop somebody from open door just because they haven't seen a true representation of Christ. I want them to be able to come in the door and see who Jesus is. And that's how we work all around the world. And when we can boldly say, Jesus is Lord, we do it. But in places like Nicaragua, where NGOs, and I, I mean, it is a dire thing right now. We need to pray for Nicaragua. And I am, our team on the ground has just two, a month ago had a government showed up and did a massive audit and they passed. But right now, Nicaragua is kicking out countries or NGOs out of the country left and right. And they are dictating what needs to be done, how it needs to be done. And if you haven't done the right thing, man, the NGOs are gone. Ethiopia has done the same thing. India has kicked out major NGOs. So you will find that everything that we do is Christ-centered, Christ-focused with the church in mind to be able to empower the local church to be the church. But we do it as wisely as we can so we don't endanger our staff, we don't endanger our testimony, and we can still do really good work. And it is through the Holy Spirit and 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 his guidance and wisdom that in countries where other NGOs have been kicked out, knowing that we love Jesus, we've got police escorts by governments when other ones are getting kicked out of the country. But just know that Jesus is interwoven into everything we do because we know that true life transformation does not come without a transformation of heart and soul. But then we also are trying to address that physical need because we know that Jesus said, when you do these things in my name, you did it unto me. Food, water, clothing, and true faith is the widow and the orphan. So for us, now you get the nerdy stuff. Now you get to see some of the, like some of our train of thought and the, some of the science and some of these pieces. This is the disease triangle. We talk about the disease triangle a lot in agriculture and plant science. We don't talk about it as much on the medical side, but it's all very intuitive and it, we all talk about it, but we see it a lot more on the ag side. But in order to have disease, it's like three stools, three legs on a stool. You have to have a susceptible host. You've got to have a person that can't fight off on its own. You've got to have a pathogen. You've got to have a bug that can cause disease. And there's got to be an environment where that bug and that nasty can hang out, eat, breathe, live, and survive. If I can eliminate one of those things, then I don't have disease. So our targets, our things that we're doing as it comes to health and nutrition are all about creating a susceptible host. Or not create, but getting and making sure that that susceptible host is taken care of. 
If I interject into a kid's life from birth to two years, I give them a, I mean, a thousand time percent chance better for survival and for better cognitive thinking, for better immunity, for better health and nutrition so that they can get into school and succeed. If I feed kids in school, they can think better. They can excel. They can actually pay attention in their education, but also their immune system works the way that it's supposed to. And so I feed a kid. Make sure that they have the right calories. They have the right micronutrients, that they're dewormed, that they're not that they are doing what they need to do so that they can grow healthy and strong. I intervene with things like water filters, wells, wash, wash, water sanitation and hygiene. Wash your hands for A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, P. And then don't do things that make you typhoid Mary. Google it, it's a great story. But we do those things to eliminate those pathogens. And then I'm doing things to make sure that I'm eliminating an environment where that pathogen can grow. It goes as simple as don't eat where you poop, don't poop where you eat. And we sometimes and a lot of times have to start right there. And so if I can then go in and make sure that a community is building a legitimate latrine that isn't leaking raw sewage into their crops, into their soils, into their water, then I've eliminated that pathogen. All of this can be summed up in this little story of the things that we're trying to prevent. And I don't share this all the time. And so if I gross you out, I apologize. That's why they don't let me out. (laughs) I'm in Ethiopia. And I'm standing next to a manure pile because that's what I take pictures of. A 60-year-old woman walks in front of me from here to right here. She walks right in front of me. She stops lifts up her skirt, bends over, liquid diarrhea shoots out. She takes her skirt down. She shakes it off, shakes it off, and keeps on walking. A 60-year-old woman openly defecated liquid diarrhea in front of a stranger and in front of a white man and didn't think twice. That was so normal that there was no hint of, huh? When that is your norm, that means it's norm for your kids, it's norm for your community. So everything that we are doing is trying to create healthy, healthy kids, women and families, and we start tackling it from the disease triangle. So that when we start talking about children's feeding, we're making sure that inside a school, they're getting a regular meal, And then that meal is not just one calorie, but it's all the calories and the micronutrients. We're measuring their their BMI. So we're measuring their circumference of their wrist, of their heads, their height, their weight, making sure that they're not too skinny, making sure they're not too fat, and making sure that they're not too short. And if they are, we're making sure that there's interventions in place with doctors, with medical staff, to make sure that those kids that are in the most critical red zone have the opportunity to catch back up. We are building foundations for, literally, I want to get to the spot where a kid shows up to a lunch, he gets his name scanned, he gets his weight done, we know that then we track attendance, we can attract all those different pieces, so we know exactly where that kid has been, and we know all the different pieces, and then we can also go back and look at the community, and we may have clean water at the house, but how do we make sure that we get clean water into the community and beyond? We have three nutritionists on staff in Springfield, and our countries around the world have 
a minimum of one specialist, sometimes even have doctors on staff that dictate what that looks like and what the balance piece of the meal is there. So we're trying to make kids healthy. And then we start addressing it at home and we start to look at women's empowerment. How do we make sure that moms, because we do men's things, but we also do things with moms, moms and women. Because we know around the world, men are part of the missing link. And we are doing our best to strengthen that. But we know that if we invest in a woman, about 95% of the money that they make goes back to the home. So we take moms and we help them with entrepreneurial skills and business skills. Or sometimes we have these things called mother's clubs where we gather moms together so that they can just have a conversation together because in a lot of communities, they don't have that opportunity. And we, of course, just happen to have our mother's clubs at the local community center. Because maybe that community center is hosted by a spiritual leader. And so as those women gather together, I, you know, I joke about, I've got three kids that say things that they shouldn't. It's not from my house. But it's really nice when you can actually reach out to other parents and go, so what did you do when your kid kind of dropped the F-bomb on a Sunday morning? Well, this is how we deal with that. Okay. We give moms the opportunity to do that, to be able to say, we, I remember going into a community and we asked this question, what's a healthy drink to give to your kid? And 90% of the moms in the room said pop or soda, depending on where you were from. Yeah, no, that's not good. So you have to start that education piece and you start to go and you intervene. And we've got women now who were making $2 a day and now have like 13 employees and are making $30,000 US. And when you ask them to prove it, they bring out their checkbook. How many of you would like to show me your checkbook after church? These ladies bring it out with pride. And then we do girls empowerment and boys empowerment. But the girls empowerment... We have after-school assemblies, after-school programs where, did you know that this question, when I just ask you this question, some of you are able to just kind of give the right three. Some, it's a brand new question. And it's a little trickier because of where they're at. Ladies, where are the three safe places that you can go when you feel threatened or endangered? That is a skill. That is an asset. And that is a social piece that every girl and woman needs to know. In some communities, they can't come up with one. They can't go to their fathers. Sometimes, and a lot of times, they can't go to the police. So to be able to work with a girl in their situation, to be able to say, here are the three safe places that you can go, is fundamental to them being able to express themselves, to be able to say, no, I don't want to sleep with you. No, I don't have to be married at 16. No, I don't have to sleep with you to get that grade but it starts with who's safe. And then it's the, you are of the bride of Christ. You are a queen and you can stand up for yourself and then skills to go along with it. I love our girls empowerment program and our boys empowerment is doing the same thing because we know that gender equality as it comes to girls and boys, it's everybody. And how do you teach men to, to lead? How do you teach boys to honor women, to think of sex as what it's supposed to be and what it was designed to be instead of an object and a thing of, transi- of transaction? We take care of the people, we, the kids. We get the nutrition. We get economics so that they can buy healthy food with good choices. We then start to break that next cycle of poverty and the decisions that are made. And then lastly, on the sustainability side, it goes into the ag piece. 
And I love egg. And I could spend hours just talking about it because it is so complex. And we think about now, even when you go into the grocery store, what's there, what's not there, supply chain, politics, skill set. But for us, this is what it boils down to. We want people to be able to feed themselves from generations to come. And when I ask the question, do you know where your next meal is coming from? I hope you know the answer today and for generations to come. And a lot of times you got to think, well, 99.9999% you got to thank a farmer. And so by going into these communities and helping families, helping communities figure out the gap on where their, foods is coming, their food is coming from, how can I provide it for myself? How can I grow it at a, food, at a family scale, at a production scale, at a, school sale, at a school sale? And we end up taking the best of the science to the field and the field back to the science. So we have agricultural officers in our countries. They're working with farmers. They're being coached by a specialist in Springfield. They're talking back and forth on a weekly, bi-weekly basis as their problems come up. They then talk and email to me and I work with groups of scientists, university professors, and we then take the best of the science and we translate it into their language and to where it is that they are so that they have the knowledge and the skills to be able to provide for themselves, to be able to up their production so that they can have more income, how they can preserve their food better so they don't have food loss, so that in the end, there is this great cycle of, of sustainability surrounded by the disease triangle centered around Jesus. And you, every time we talk about beekeeping, every time we talk about integrated pest management, every time we talk about soil microbiology, you're involved in that because of the partnership with One Day. And as I've been thinking about this piece lately, I've been thinking about Matthew 31 through 33. He told them, chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the field. Though it is the smallest of the seed, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. Mustard. He then tells them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed it throughout the large amount of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. When I think about one day, I think about faith. When I think about life transformation, this scripture uses yeast, and we've heard the illustration of yeast, just a, one little bit, and it permeates the whole thing. It makes everything rise. It's everywhere. It changes the entire characteristic. But then you read about mustard, and it talks about small faith growing into a tree. There's about six different varieties of mustard that were probably growing in and around Bible time. Some varieties that aren't really a mustard were really big trees. Most of them were around five feet, depending on which agricultural journal you want to look at. But this is the thing. We always look at mustard 99% of the time as the seed that grows to a tree. Our faith, have our faith, it's growing. Giving to one day, give that seed and it grows because we partner together with everyone. But here's something special about mustard. 
I've known it. I've read it. But I needed to like really process it. Mustard is what we call a natural biofumigant. When roots of the mustard grow, they grow deep into the soil profile. And biochemicals get produced inside that root that resembles cyanide. And when roots of mustard go inside the soil, it fights off disease. It makes, it, it actually 100% alters the ecosystem of the soil where that mustard was forever. So faith grows tall, but it also changes everything for generations to come. That's what one day does for kids all around the world. And that's what our faith does when we're like, okay, God, whether I'm giving my, whether I make a million dollars a year and my one day is bigger or I make $10 a day and my one day is bigger. That faith to say, God, here it is. God says, faith, just like yeast, changes everything. And as you look at that mustard, I mean, it changes, it changes what microbes are gonna grow there. I was standing in a field not too long ago in North Texas and every field around it was infected with weeds and a fungus. And this one field had no fungus whatsoever. And I go, how? I go, what's the difference? He goes, mustard. He goes, because it changes everything. And so when Jesus says faith is like a mustard seed, Faith changes everything from generations to come. And when we partner together, we're changing generations and generations and generations. And I wanna thank you for working with us, through us, and with us. Because with Jesus' help, we're gonna change more and more generations for his kingdom because of partnership. So thank you. Dr. Jason, thank you so much for taking time to come. I think it's so important that we understand who we're partnering with and why we partner with this organization. There's a lot of different organizations out there we could be partnering with. Sometimes we have the tendency to say, well, let's just do our own thing. Let's just raise the money and let's go pick a place across the world that maybe could use our help and we go help them. But the great thing about networking with a ministry such as Convoy is that we're just not doing this by ourselves, but we have thousands upon thousands of other churches, just like Destiny Church, who are partnering with us. We have Christian businessmen and women. We have companies such as Home Depot and other companies like that that are saying, we'll, we'll deliver your products for free. We'll ship them for free, or we'll match what you're giving here. We'll give you things at wholesale that we could never get on our own. And because the power of that, it's, it's safe to say that what we give is reaching three times as many people by networking, at least. That's a, a safe number, That's right? a safe That's number. That's right. Probably yeah. more than that, really. Yeah. But feel safe saying at least at least three times as much or more, yeah. we can reach that much more people by networking, compounding the network 
about this. Isn't it pretty awesome? I think it's pretty awesome, yeah. It is, and I think a great example of that is that we've become, especially on the disaster side and things around the world, we've become masters at logistics to where now we've got big companies like Coca-Cola and other um, big companies like that who they just call and they say, like Clorox. Clorox says, we have 800 truckloads of product. Take it. Wow. They won't call in the middle anybody, of a pandemic. In the middle of, the, in the middle of a pandemic, they yeah. say we have 800 truckloads wow. of Clorox. Take them because we they know that we can deliver and we can deliver to pieces around the world and the United States that honors their their business, their business practices, and they know we're going to get it to the right place. And so they won't even call anybody else. They'll come to us. Coca Cola does the same thing. We've got this many semis. Can you take them? We say yes. They say boom, and they check it off, and they don't call anybody else. And then we help resource the world. Wow. What? I mean, if Coca Cola trusts you, come on now. <laughs> I, you know, one of the things I, I love also is that you made a statement in the first service about we're feeding this generation, so we don't have to feed. We don't. We don't want to have to feed their, their children and grandchildren. Yeah. And so, how we do that? by partnering with the, with a ministry like Convoy is they're, they have very smart PhD soilists who specialize in soil. So people who are going, they're not just getting a meal, but you're working with local families. Number one, you can teach the farmers, but also you can treat, you can teach anybody who wants to learn how to plant enough food to sustain their family. And many of them grow, become uh, entrepreneurs through this and, and use it to raise money to not only feed the family, but now they're, they're living off that and feeding their community yeah. at the same time. What, what a powerful thing. Because you can go places where nobody else is able to grow because the climate, they're in a drought or the, the climate is so rough and they haven't figured out how to grow things there and nobody else can grow. Then we send people with the smarts and, and the, the knowledge of how the soil uh, test the soil and how to plant those in tunneling systems or whatever it may be where they can grow and sustain when nobody else can. The, the farmers of Convoy are actually producing when nobody else produces. What an incredible thing. Yeah, that, I, I love that. And really what it is is that when we go out to places around the world, they don't have access to the extension system that we do here. They don't have access to Mizzou. They don't have access to K-State. They don't have access to Washington State. And so we become that linchpin to be able to give them the information that they need. Next week, I'll be standing in one of the oldest looking, oldest working orchards in the United States and one of the most high-tech orchards in the United States where they're looking at robotic harvesting. The farmers that we're working with have to be reminded that they can plant a tree and harvest it. And so that's kind of where we're trying to bridge that gap and uh, to be that information hub. And I love the story you were telling earlier about you know, not only do we help children, feed the children, helping farmers, but also the women empowerment. How women who were not allowed to probably go to school either because of their economic status or because the women just were not allowed to be educated uh, are now getting a second chance of somebody coming along and starting an educational system, teaching them how to be entrepreneurs. And many of them are, are thriving they're learning how to have that secondary income to their family that's really making a, a big, big difference. And you were telling the story about, and many of the countries we're in where the girls are taught the only way you can graduate is not through smarts, but you have to sleep with a professor, have sex with them to be able to get your grade. And so that they do that and they get passed on. But now we're teaching them, no, that's not the way to do it. Yep. And, and tell that story. That was pretty powerful. Um, um, 
the, the original piece, we were, I was sitting in Tanzania and I'm sitting in a girls assembly and they're singing all these songs and they're all excited. And I'm like, what's the words to this? What are the words to the song? They're like, they're saying, no, I don't have to teach. I don't have to sleep with you for the A. No, I don't have to do these things with you and for you to graduate. And they're all singing these songs. And we've got girls now who have graduated from that program who have gone on to be school principals and are now firing the same teachers <laughs> who wanted them to sleep yeah. with them for the A. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty amazing when you just think how life-giving is it to just tell a girl that she is the bride of Christ right. and she has the right to say no. Right. Right. See, this, this is who we're partnering with. And it's important that you understand the power behind what we're doing. It's just not us randomly picking a place because the need is there, but we're partnering with the organization that God has raised up for such a time as this. And I believe this is what God wants us to do. I really do. As our church, as your pastor, I can tell you, God began to deal with my heart about Convoy. And when he opened the door for communication and, and relationship, and I heard the presentation, I said, yes, Destiny Church wants to be a part of that. I want you to watch one video before we do our, our offering. We're going to take up offering up in just a minute after this video. This is just one story that could be duplicated thousands of times over of children and families who are impacted by your giving today. This is the kind of impact you're making in these children's and families' lives. We are a family of five siblings. My mother is pregnant with her sixth child. Life has been very difficult for us. Our house is cramped and covered with just a plastic roof. We get soaked whenever it rains, and it is next to a smelly drainage. My father used to have a steady job, but now all he gets are small odd jobs. Some days he tries to sell packets of spices. All we had to eat was rice with salt and water. Sometimes we could add soy sauce. We live a difficult life. My husband worked long hours but could not earn enough. We could only afford to buy half or just a quarter of the amount of rice that we need. Sometimes my husband and I would not eat just so our children could. It was very hard. I feel sad and cry when I thought of my brothers and sisters. They had nothing to eat and we often went to bed with empty stomachs. It is difficult because we could not sleep. I would lay awake at night, thinking of things to do to make money. The night is long when you cannot sleep. They can't withstand hunger. They would ask for more food, but we don't have any food left to give. 
it seemed nothing would ever change. But then it did. Rika was selected to be part of the children's beating program with Kamboy of Hope. Kamboy of Hope helps us in so many ways. They give us food bags and groceries. From Monday to Friday, they serve rice porridge and egg. Sometimes fruit like bananas or fried fish fritters. We'll even have chocolate rice porridge. I'm happy for my brothers and sisters because we all have nutritious food. They give us enough for all of us to eat. The bathing program helps us so much without expecting anything in return. Kamboya Pope has helped the kids with their studies, provided blankets, thrown Christmas parties, and made sure we have what we need. Sometimes I volunteer so I can give back to the organization that has changed our lives. I want to be a teacher because I want to help the children in the streets who are just like me. Just keep going, keep fighting. As long as we're living, we can keep going. Kamboy of Hope has changed my life. My family is much happier, and so am I. And now, I am able to sleep. For decades, Convoy of Hope has continued to impact thousands of people in communities like this through children's feeding programs, agricultural training, women's empowerment initiatives, and disaster relief. Convoy of Hope is making an enormous impact throughout the world. You can be part of this movement by joining in the One Day to Feed the World campaign by giving one day's wages. You turn your daily work into action. Your one day transforms their every day. Thank you for supporting the mission of Convoy of Hope and bringing hope to communities around the world. So today, I want you to go ahead and take out your offering if you haven't prepared it. I want you to make that preparation to give. Uh, let's put the QR codes on the sides so those who want to give electronically can do that. There's a drop-down box on your giving tab when you push uh, the link here. Just all you got to do is hold your phone up to it. It'll send a link to your phone. Very easy to follow that link and to give electronically if you're not ready to give uh, either cash or a check and you want to give that way. I can tell you that there's nothing more spiritual we can do than what we're doing today. For some of you say, this is a little bit different service, Pastor. Yes, it is. But I believe at the heart of Jesus, this is the very heart of Jesus. First of all, he said, remember the little children. He says, bless them and bring them to me. When people try to push the children away, you know, Jesus said no. He'd actually pick the child up and talk while he's holding the child. He said, this is what's important. Don't forget, important. And then he talked about those who were in hungry and needed clothing. And he says that when you do it to them, you've done it unto me. So when we feed someone, we're doing it unto Jesus. When we feed a starving child, I believe it really, really hits the heart of what Jesus really cares about. And I've been saying this a lot, and I want to repeat it again today. I just simply believe this, that let's stop asking 
what Jesus would do, okay? Let's don't wear the bracelet. Let's don't go around saying WWJD, what would Jesus do? No, let's stop asking and let's step up, be the church and do what Jesus would do. Let me put it in the way. I don't care how many times you raise your hands. I don't care how much times you dance. I don't care how many people you tell on Facebook on the scripture. If you can't feed somebody that's hungry, that's where Jesus is at. The rest of those things, they're great in their place. But can you, can you do the very basic thing that Jesus asked us to do? I want to stand before Jesus one day and said, we did our part. Jesus, we did our part. And I want him to look at you. I want to look at me and said, well done. Well done, my faithful servant. So if you got your offering, I want you just to kind of hold it up to the Lord. Maybe you got your phone and you want to hold it up because you got a link. However you want to do it's fine. But I just want to pray over this offering today. Father, I thank you, Lord, for people who have a heart to give. They have a vision to help those who are hurting. They have a vision to be your hands and feet to people who really need it. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for people who are obedient. I thank you for people who trust you and who want to be a blessing to others. We pray that as many people sacrifice today, they're given sacrificially. I pray that it is blessed back to them this year, time and time again, that God, you would bless it back to them. You will multiply it back to them for their heart to be obedient today. And we pray over this, God, may it be a blessing to so many people. Thousands and thousands of meals are going to be given this year because of this offering. Every one of those has a name attached to it. Every one of those has your love attached to it. Help us to be quick to obey. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.